Well, Happy New Year. You're just kind of over it now, aren't you? Just <laughs> enough. Let's get back to it. So, so who we are, we welcome you. I'm glad that you are here. That, uh, that passage in Exodus that, uh, that uh, Roman read, Luke read, uh, is proof to me that Moses was not a Baptist. I have never been in a service where a Baptist preacher said, we have enough, stop giving, and I promise you I will not be the first one. So, I just, uh, we have some exciting things ahead of us, and, um, and I trust you will find a place uh, for, one, uh, where you'll be able to connect with other people who will encourage you. Uh, and who will hold you accountable to your best self. Now, I know when I say small group and accountability, most of us freak out. We, we think of somebody getting in our face all the time and, and yelling at us. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody who knows you so well that they know your best self. This is who we know you to be. And can hold you accountable so that your behavior always matches that best self. Uh, that you're finding a place of service and ministry and mission. Uh, there is nothing more exciting than being in that moment and knowing this is the place and this is the ministry that God created you for. Uh, that will change your worship because you will come to worship and uh, celebrating what God has done and then anticipating what God will yet do in, in the weeks and, and days ahead. So I trust your 2019 uh, will be one of those years that you look back on and say, well, this was the year that it changed uh, for me and my walk with Christ. So, We have had a lot of discussion recently in our country, in our culture, about social media, uh, about the, what it can do and, 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 and how much fun it is and how much money there is to make if you know how to monetize. Uh, that process. We've also had a lot of discussions on how dangerous it is, on the things that have happened with those men and women who are spending way too much time on the screens. We're also beginning to understand just how powerful these social media companies are, uh, places like Google and Facebook and Twitter, uh, and what they can do to messages. Uh, for instance, Google has ways of making sure that if they like what you're saying, they can make you really easy to find on the, on the internet. If they don't like what you're saying, they can make it almost impossible for you to be found on the internet. Do you realize that about 80, sometimes the, the, the figures as high as 90% of all searches on the internet are done through Google? Now, what's interesting is we have found uh, situations where they have hidden, Facebook and, uh, and Google have hidden messages, have pushed them down because they were um, hate speech or they didn't like what this message was. And the interesting thing is you've got a bunch of people that nobody knows sitting in your room that nobody knows where it is deciding what you and I will have access to and what we will not have access to. And there are some uh, in, uh, in the church world who are beginning to see trends of how people will react to Christianity when they determine that Christianity is hate speech. So what will happen 
in a world where the church can't get its message out. Thought about this, that this past week, and then it finally occurred to me, well, it probably won't be all that much different from a church that won't get its message out. Is there really that much difference between a church that can't get the message out and one that won't. Paul wanted to make sure that everybody had heard the gospel or at least had a chance to hear it. And this is what he tells the Romans in the 15th chapter of his letter to the Romans. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Verse 20, my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named, so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named, so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Give us the same burden that Paul struggled with. Give us the same urgency that drove him. So there will not be one person who has not heard, nor one place where the gospel hasn't been preached. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Paul loved to go to where the gospel had not been preached. He loved to be the first one there. And as his custom was, he would go to a new city and he would introduce himself to the local synagogue, being a Pharisee, Hebrew of the Hebrews as he claims, and began their discussions proving to the people there from their own scriptures, from the Old Testament, that Jesus was indeed the Messiah and the Savior that God had promised. If there wasn't a synagogue open or that wasn't available, he would start where he could. You know the story of him preaching in Athens where he's left there to rest uh, by his friends. And he can't stand it when he sees all of the pagan worship and begins to engage the pagan philosophers and teachers trying to prove to them as well that Jesus was indeed the Messiah of Christ, the Son of God. You read that story and you see where his friends left him in Athens to rest. You know, that's going to be one of the questions that I ask them when I get to heaven. What were you thinking? Why did you leave Paul in that situation thinking that he would just sit there and be quiet? You had to know him well enough to know that he would not let that moment pass. He wasn't going to rest. That just wasn't in Paul's DNA. That wasn't in his makeup. 
In the back of your Bible is a map that looks something like this. It's called the Missionary Journeys of Paul or something like that. And you'll see red, uh, blue, and green lines going all over the Mediterranean area. Uh, this is the way that Paul left Jerusalem, Antioch, and began to establish churches throughout the Roman Empire around the Mediterranean. Now, if you pay attention to this, you will notice that there is a pattern. Paul is looking for cities of commerce. He's looking for cities of trade where a lot of people come in and uh, are, are places of intersection. Uh, and, and that's where he wants to build the church. He wants to build it at the center of the places where the cultural conversation is being heard. He wanted to get to Rome. And from Rome, he wanted to go to what he calls Gaul, which was a Roman province and that you and I now know as France and Spain. He wanted to leave there and go to establish the mission work in Europe proper there. That's what he wanted to do, and this is what he explains. As soon as I get back from Jerusalem, I want to come to Rome. I want to preach and teach there and encourage you, build you up, and then I want you to support my work as I go into Gaul. That was the plan. Of course, we now know that he was arrested in Jerusalem, and he was brought to Rome as a prisoner, not as an, an evangelist. And he never left Rome, and he never got there. But you look at this map. And, and you know his heart and his urgency, and you wonder if God had given him more time, what that map would have looked like. What all the lines going back and forth from here to there, back over here to this stuff. You know, he, did, he wanted to preach through the whole world, and I honestly believe if God had given him enough time, he would have done it. He would have at least tried. When he was writing to Timothy, he writes the verse in 1 Timothy where he says, you know, this is the gospel to which I have been called. This is the gospel for which I am appointed a herald and an apostle, a teacher. This is why I suffer these things. But I'm not ashamed because I know in whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to guard to that day what he has entrusted to me until that day. That was one of Paul's last letters. I'm not ashamed. I didn't lose the game. Just ran out of time. And if the Lord had let me out of prison in Rome, he would have gone to Gaul. He would have gone somewhere. He loved to go to those places where the gospel has not been preached. Where would you go? If somebody said, hey, you can go anywhere you want to go, but you have to find a place where the gospel has not been preached, where would you go? If you spin the globe in your mind, where would you end up? All right, let me ask you another question. Where would you go if I said, I want you to go to a place where the gospel has not been heard? Ah, if you're a parent, you know that that's different, isn't it? Oh, you can say it. Does it mean they heard it? And sometimes wives will come to me and say, my husband never listens to me. And he will say, when? You say, I told you the other night about this. And he said, you never said that. Ladies, your husband listens with his eyes. If he's not looking at you, he's not listening to you. And if you're trying to tell him something that is deep and personal to you and he's watching ESPN, that's your fault. 
is that the gospel has been preached but not heard. You know, the old evangelists used to tell a story about the vi- uh, about vaccines, about how well, when people give a vaccine, they actually uh, give you a little bit of, of the sickness that they're trying to prevent. So, so when you go get your flu shot, you get a little bit of the flu. And that way your body learns to recognize it and produce the antibodies and, and react against it. That's why you feel bad after you get the flu shot because, well, you got the flu. Just a little bit. But it's enough to immune, to create an, an, uh, an immunity to the real thing. And the old evangelists used to talk about the church in North America has been vaccinated with the gospel. Just enough to make you and I immune to the real thing. Did you know in the greater Nashville area, what they call the MSA, the Metropolitan Service Area, uh, recent studies have shown there's about 1.8 million people in this area. And you're not surprised, they're all on the interstate when you're trying to get into work, aren't they? Okay, let me give you some numbers that will surprise you. 1.35 million are unchurched. Look at it again. 1.8 million people in the greater metro area, 1.35 million are unchurched. Now, Nashville is the it city. Everybody's moving to Nashville. Everybody wants to be here. Great. They are moving to Nashville from from places and experiences where church is not part of their day, not part of their life. The fastest growing group of faith by every recent census is the group we call the nuns. No faith at all. Don't identify with any particular faith. And so, given the chance on a survey, they check none. They're the fastest growing group in America. Now, you're going to tell me, but Mike, I don't get it. There's a church on every four way stop in Tennessee. Yeah. You know what else there are? There are 15 mosques, one Islamic school, one Hindu temple, one Sikh temple, 15 Buddhist temples, four Shinto meditation center, Japanese form of worship, and countless numbers of home altars. That is people who tell us they worship in their home because they don't find a place to worship their particular God in any place here. Now, I want you to hear me. I am a strong proponent of religious freedom. 
I do not say my friends and your neighbors and my neighbors do not have the right to worship God as they see fit. That's not the point I'm trying to make here. Okay? What I'm trying to help you understand is this is not your father's Buick. This is not your father's Nashville. This is not your father's Middle Tennessee. You want to do missions? Go to the your driveway. Look up one end of the street. Look down the other. Now, I don't want, yes, I believe that there is a judgment. Yes, I believe there's a time when if you don't want to be with Jesus, he won't make you be with him. Okay, everybody gets upset. Why, would, why can Jesus send anybody to hell? He doesn't. If you don't want to be with him, he won't make you. You choose it. And part of the hell of being in hell is this is what you've chosen. This is what you wanted. Yes, I believe that day is coming, and I want everybody to have the opportunity to be with Christ. But there's stuff now, right here, right now, that your neighbors and my neighbors, your friends and my friends don't know and don't have because they haven't heard the gospel. Maybe it was preached to them, maybe they were somewhere, and they got just enough to make them immune to it. So we have young adults who don't know who they are. So the culture tells them. And the culture always gets it wrong. The suicide rate among young people in Tennessee is through the roof. The suicide rate with uh, middle-aged white men is through the roof. Why? Because when it comes to that existential crisis in their life, they cannot find the answer to the question, why? Why am I here? Who am I? They don't know the answer to that. They don't know that they were created in the image of God. They don't know that they bear the image of God, that they've been signed by the artist. No one has told them that. No one has told them that their life is so valuable that Jesus Christ died for them, gave his life for them so they could find a life of forgiveness, of hope, of meaning, of purpose, of love. Ezekiel 33.3 is preached at every pastor's ordination service. Are you familiar with the passage? It's a story where God is confronting Ezekiel and says to him, listen, son of man, I have appointed you watchman over the house of Israel. If you see the enemy coming and you sound the alarm and the people do not react, 
and they lose their life in the following battle. Their life, their blood is on their hands because they heard and didn't do anything. But if you see the enemy coming and you don't say anything, you don't sound the alarm, your blood, the blood of those who die is on your hands. If you see trouble coming, and you don't say anything, The Apostle Paul wanted to preach to the whole world. That was his goal. What's your goal? Our church's goal is 500,000 gospel conversations. Will you have one in 2019? Will you have one? Go to where the gospel hasn't been preached. Go to where the gospel hasn't been heard. It's probably closer than you think. probably on the streets you live. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Don't want to put you on the spot. Don't want to embarrass you. Now, you know me. I grew up in the church where I was hold, held over hell like a marshmallow every Sunday, and I don't want to do that to you. We would have the old evangelist come in and say, if you don't know the place or the time or the exact moment when you became a Christian, then you may not be a Christian. We would guilt you into being baptized again. I don't want to manipulate anybody or emotionally fool you. That's not my point. My point is some of us here have been vaccinated. And you got just enough to make you immune to the real thing. So you like the way Jesus teaches but he's not your Lord. You like some of the insight he brings to your life, and it makes you feel better to know he's there, but you do not know him. Know about him, but don't know him. So the only reason I'm stopping here this longest moment, be sure you're sure.
make sure you know Jesus, not just know about him. Our friends are waiting out at the table in the atrium. You'll find a big sign out there that says next step. They're waiting. They'll pick up the conversation here. Just go say, hey, I want, I want to know more about what Mike was talking about. For some of you, it's the very first moment that you've thought about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That, that feeling you have, that question you have, is it by accident? That's Christ knocking on your door. That's Christ saying, I want to know you and I want you to know me. Do not miss this moment. For others of you, kind of come part of the work that Brentwood Baptist Church is doing, and you know the Lord has led you to be with these people and do this work. You come. However the Lord has come to you now, he's waiting for you where you are. The church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every heart. So we pray the choices we make are exactly what you want.